Frank Ling. And I'm Charles Lee. And you're listening to the Grok Science Show. That's right, it's a weekly look at the world of science, technology, and the effects on our daily lives. Coming up on today's program, Dr. Shilpa Rivella will join us to discuss a silent fire. So stay tuned for all of this. Plus the Grokatron 5000. And our world famous question of the week. Coming right up. Here. On the Grok's Science Show. Science Show. Well, how does inflammation arise in the body? Joining us to discuss this issue is Dr. Shilpa Rivella. Dr. Rivella is a transplant gastroenterologist with expertise in nutrition. She's an assistant professor of medicine at Columbia University Medical Center. Her writing has appeared in The Atlantic, New York Magazine, Slate, and other publications. She has penned a new book, A Silent Fire, The Story of Inflammation, Diet, and Disease. Dr. Rivella, thank you so much for joining us today on The Grok Science Show. Uh, thank you so much for having me. It's such a pleasure to be here. Well, there's certainly a great book that you put together here, A Silent Fire, in which you talk about inflammation. I'm curious why you decided to put the book together. Well, I have been dealing with inflammation in some form throughout my career. Many, many patients come to my clinic suffering with chronic inflammation in some form, like from inflammatory bowel disease, celiac disease, irritable bowel syndrome, things like food sensitivities or even acid reflux. And patients always seem to have a lot of questions on how to control or manage their inflammation through diet and also through optimizing their gut microbiome. And for seven years of my career, I also treated patients who had undergone intestinal or multiple organ transplants. And these are very interesting transplants in that the organs are not sterile. When you're transplanting the intestines, you're also transplanting all of the germs in the gut as well as a portion of the immune system. So I started really thinking about these ideas, uh, inflammation, food, and germs. And at the same time, in the medical literature, there was increasing mention of this concept called hidden inflammation or chronic low-level inflammation. And I just started to become fascinated by that topic and really wanted to dig in to find out more. It's amazing that inflammation is the roots of so many of these different conditions. But before maybe you explain to the audience just exactly what's going on in the body with inflammation. Sure, sure. So inflammation is actually an ancestral response that evolved to fight pathogens, poisons, and trauma. It was actually a good thing for us. What inflammation does is to help uh, protect our body against these things. But there is a biological price for inflammation in terms of autoimmunity. So for example, uh, disorders like rheumatoid arthritis or lupus, that's when inflammation kind of turns against your own body. This is opposite the inflammation, you know, you see when you stub your toe, for example, and you see the redness, heat, swelling, and pain working to actually heal the wound. So inflammation does have a biological price, and what I cover in the book is this notion of hidden inflammation. We're finding that this price is more pervasive than ever imagined because low-level chronic inflammation is tied to so many of our modern chronic diseases. The data for causation is stronger for some diseases than others, of course, but this entity, this new and emerging entity, is indeed very pervasive through our chronic modern diseases. 
the long-lasting nature of this chronic inflammation? Is there sort of a level in which it can be permissible to have inflammation? Well, it's definitely not a good thing to have zero inflammation. <laughs> it's uh, something that's helpful in your body. So this is a very relative definition. You do tend to have some hidden or chronic inflammation in your body simply from even having the massive germs inside the gut. So it's a relative definition, but this persistent chronic low-level inflammation is actually a risk factor for certain diseases. For example, in heart disease, we can measure this low-level inflammation that's kind of swimming through our blood, and it precedes uh, heart attacks and strokes by years or even decades. And we found, find too, that this type of inflammation is an independent risk factor for developing a heart attack, just like high cholesterol levels are a risk factor for developing heart attacks. And you mentioned hidden inflammation. Really tested annual visit to your doctor or find how much inflammation you have? That's a great question. And one of the salient unifying threads with hidden inflammation is the fact that we are not routinely accustomed to testing for and treating it. So we don't typically go into our doctor's office and, and say, hey, test me for hidden inflammation. So there are some surrogates that we do use. For example, testing someone for diabetes or prediabetes can be a good surrogate marker for inflammation because if you have high blood sugar levels or insulin resistance, you are more likely to have hidden inflammation as well. Another surrogate marker is the presence of belly fat. When you have the belly fat around your stomach, that is a marker for visceral fat. And visceral fat is the deep fat that envelops your abdominal organs. And this type of fat is particularly dangerous because it, it is churning out that chronic low-level hidden inflammation at all hours of the day. So there are some, some routine tests that, that physicians do use, but, but we aren't typically used to getting specific tests to, to test for hidden inflammation. A bit of a link between body metabolism, nutrition, what we eat. How much does lifestyle play in terms of hidden inflammation? Lifestyle plays a huge part. In fact, one of the, uh, the truths is that we've evolved robust inflammatory responses in order to be able to deal with all of these ancient traumas and infections. You know, we had frequent infections in ancient times that were very likely to kill us. So we developed these very, very heavy immune responses. But Today, what's happening is that our environment has, has transformed. And so our bodies are exquisitely sensitive to the new triggers in this world. And these can be anything from the food you eat to how you move, to the air you breathe, social connections, all, all of these different factors in our life, all of these lifestyle factors can, can trigger hidden chronic inflammation. Are there recommendations for there isn't as much inflammation? Absolutely. I have uh, many, many recommendations uh, throughout the book, so I'll just I'll pick a couple. And one of the most important things is to eat a diet that is high in minimally processed whole plant foods. And we've been getting this advice in some form for a long time, maybe even for generations. It's, it's sort of the same advice, eat your vegetables. But what Asylum Fire does is really to delve into this concept, eat more plant foods. What exactly does that mean? How, how much should you be eating and what kind? One of the most important things to keep in mind is that you want to focus on the quality and the quantity of the plant foods that you're choosing. When you go to the grocery store, for example, try to focus on the red, dark brown, dark green vegetables and fruits because these are the ones that are most likely to have the most phytochemicals and important nutrients that can help to fight inflammation. The other point also is quantity. Plant foods are filled with so many beneficial nutrients and fiber is one of the most important nutrients that we need to be taking in. And how much fiber do we need? Our Paleolithic ancestors used to consume about 100 grams of fiber 
most of us today, the majority of us, I would say, have a fiber deficiency. But fiber is one of the most important anti-inflammatory nutrients, and soluble fiber is a particular type of fiber that is found in many plant foods, and it is actually fermented by our gut bacteria to yield beneficial compounds like short-chain fatty acids, which are immensely useful for the immune system, and they help to calm inflammation. So fiber can directly affect inflammation, and it can also affect inflammation through the germs in our gut. We have to be eating enough of it. To what extent is it permissible to use uh, supplements that provide the body these chemicals that are in the plants? Well, we just don't have the same data on supplements. For example, when you look at the research on fiber supplements and disease prevention, we just don't have the same benefits. Fiber is actually most useful when it comes from whole foods. And it's, it's difficult to distill into a supplement some of these beneficial compounds. Uh, the data really does show that whole, whole foods are the most important for health promotion and disease prevention. In researching this issue, what's been the most surprising thing that you've discovered regarding attrition and inflammation? Well, for one, how pervasive hidden inflammation is. You know, it is, I, I did not expect to find ties with so many different diseases. And two, I think also regarding nutrition, just, just how big of an impact it can make on, on controlling hidden inflammation, not just uh, suppressing it, but also reversing it. We know today that the dying down of inflammation after it has been deployed for good use is not a passive process, it's actually an active process. And certain foods can actually help to reverse that process. So that was kind of a surprising finding for me. You also recount a number of researchers working in this area. What are the forefronts of research on inflammation in our diets? Well, I think uh, there are so, so many things coming down the pipeline, but broadly, we do have the data now to tell us what we do need to eat to help to prevent and to even treat, in some cases, these chronic diseases type of hidden inflammation. And we do need to be eating a diet that's very, very high in whole plant foods with, with uh, very specific recommendations in that realm. We do need to be mindful of how we prepare our foods as well. Ancient techniques like fermentation, for example, can really help to dampen down inflammation. And, and there was a study that came out a year ago in a uh, Stanford study that, that did show that folks eating fermented foods had, had marked a uh, decrease in their inflammatory markers. So food preparation is, is also very important. And we also need to think about the diversity of our diets. We have more and more studies showing, for example, the power of spices and herbs. Curcumin is, is a spice. It's uh, the active component of turmeric. And uh, curcumin has been shown in clinical trials to be able to help to decrease symptoms in inflammatory bowel disease and have pretty potent anti-inflammatory effects. So, so there's lots of exciting things, I think, uh, coming in, in the future as well as we start to hopefully have even more research in this realm. Do you think that this information is widely disseminated throughout the medical establishment such that addressing diet in, in a lot of these conditions is part of the regimen, the treatments for those conditions? I think it's tough because the incentives can be a bit skewed in clinical practice and it can be very tough to find simply the time to talk to patients about diet and to have the support in a multidisciplinary setting to really talk to patients about these things. Uh, nutritional treatment should be an adjunctive treatment in addition to drug therapy, but actually putting that into practice is, is tough. Uh, it's, it's also tough because nutrition science is often hard to conduct and to interpret, and there is a lot of confusion within the lay public as well as to what we should be eating for health. And some of that confusion also seeps in elsewhere, and, and it's, it's tough in general to put these things into practice. Well, we're running slightly out of time, but people 
picking up the book, what would you like their take-home message to be regarding this issue of, of inflammation and nutrition? I would say, you know, we are at the point today where we know that one, hidden inflammation is tied to a variety of our chronic modern diseases, including top killers like heart disease and cancer. So it can indeed be a silent killer. We know too that the food we eat and uh, the uh, lifestyle factors that we include in our lives are very, very potent, potent ways to uh, manage hidden inflammation. And this affects not only human health, but also planetary health. So I think the, the takeaway, the thing I want people to know is that we do have the tools today to help to optimize human health and also planetary health, take care of ourselves, take care of the planet that we're passing on to our progeny. We were just talking with Dr. Shilpa Ravella, the new book, A Silent Fire, The Story of Inflammation, Diet, and Disease. Dr. Ravella, thank you so much for joining us today on the Grok Science Show. Thank you so much. It was such a pleasure. And that's all for this week's edition of the Grok Science Show. Make sure you tune in next week for more from the world of science and technology. If you'd like to contact us here, you can email us at science at groks.net. For Grok Science, I'm Frank Ling. And I'm Charles Lee. Make sure you also see us on the web at www.groks.net. Have a great afternoon and keep on grokking. <laughs>